Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Welcome. Good to have a few minutes together with you today. And this afternoon, as I spend a little time thinking on these various uh, lessons we talk through, um, I was thinking about the the number of people over these years that I've witnessed to and people who've come to me with questions. And um, so often I have uh, come up with an answer and it, and it answered all of their, their questions, but it didn't answer their question. And uh, after many, and I'll explain that in more detail in a minute, but after many years of dealing with people, many decades dealing with people, I realized that um, before you answer a question, you really need to find out, are you, are you talking to their head or are you talking to their heart? And, um, you know, the teenager who, with as much as they know how, loves this other teenager, and you're trying to give them a intelligent uh, list of reasons that they should not love them, and, you know, you're 15, and uh, how are you going to do A, B, or C? How are you going to live? How are you going to work? How are you going to whatever this person? You know, you've got all these intellectual things. Well, the issue, there's a heart thing there. It's like me having a neighbor on one side of the house that uh, we're having a difference in agreement of who needs to pay for the fence being repaired. So since there's a debate there, I go to the neighbor on the other side and talk to them about it. That's not going to solve the problem. That may make me feel better because I'm able to vent, be able to maybe find someone who has a sympathetic ear, but a sympathetic ear doesn't solve the problem. Venting on social media doesn't fix a problem with the electric company or with my wife or parent or whoever. And uh, so I think when we're dealing with people, one of the things that's important is we ask ourselves, who am I talking to here? What am I talking to? Um, the, the, the university student who refuses to listen to a conservative explain the other side of socialism and communism, they don't have an intellectual attachment to socialism. They have an emotional attachment. Um, if, if they had an intellectual attachment, you could simply and clearly go through socialist nations and the development of socialism in countries around the world and you could clearly and intellectually answer their question and when it was all said and done they wouldn't be a socialist anymore but it's not about an intellectual feeling it's uh, i mean an intellectual debate it's not a debate of facts it's a it's a debate of the heart um there are think think about evolution um of evolution versus creation. And um, we have to ask ourselves, how should I answer this question? You know, a person comes along and they just want to argue with you about, I don't believe in creation, I believe in evolution. And, and um, if they are sincere and they're, they're wanting some answers, by all means, give them answers. You know, there's plenty of answers. Um, you know, you could give a, an evolutionist, the most simple, uh, simple um, information regarding entropy, the simple physics principle that everything is winding down. Everything in life, you put an apple outside, 
in the sun, it doesn't get to be a shinier apple. It turns wilted and wrinkled and rots and goes away. That's entropy. And one of the laws of physics in the world is that everything is winding down. The very essence of evolution is that things are getting better and better and that things are winding up. Um, and it just, that's, uh, their, their idea of evolution is contrary to their most basic laws of thermodynamics. Uh, take the, the issue of matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Uh, I can take some wood and burn that wood and energy is leaving that wood in the form of flames. They measure it in calories. And so this, the heat is leaving through the chemical process of oxidation and there's heat, right? So this flame is burning. And so you think, see, I destroyed um, this wood or I destroyed this matter, whatever, this energy that was contained in the wood. Well, not really. Uh, it turned into hot air or it turned... Um, it got on the bottom of the pan and it boiled the water. And now the, the energy has been transferred from the wood through the flame to the water in the pot. But you can't destroy energy, not according to the laws of, of physics and the laws of thermodynamics. Um, that energy can't be destroyed. It can't be created. The, the solar system or the, the planet, at least, is a closed system with X amount of energy and you can move it from liquid to steam. You can move it from one place to another. But you can't create or destroy energy. And I push on a wall while well, my feet are pushing back the other direction. There's every action and equal and opposite reaction. And there's these just simple principles. Well, evolution says that nothing became something. Immediately, they violate their own laws. Now, the issue is you can't, if, if you could intellectually convince an evolutionist then all it would take is two or three statements and they'd be convinced. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be a Christian, but at least they'd be willing to admit this is nonsense. Um, where did it all come from? It came from nothing. Well, how can nothing become something when your own laws of physics say energy cannot be created or destroyed? And um, see, the, the, the issue is not an intellectual issue. And now for some people it might be, and in that case you'll know. Somebody asks you a question, you give them a logical, um, a, a factual answer, and with that factual answer, they then can modify their belief system on the basis of facts and knowledge. And uh, that's, you know, with, with young people, we want so much in our, in our ministry here. We want our young people to grow up with knowledge, we don't want them to grow up with answers. And we find the young people that abandon their faith, which are few, but those who do, typically they abandon their faith over an emotional issue, not an intellectual issue. Um, they don't set the body of beliefs that we stand for on one side, and then they have these intellectual facts on the other side, and they choose these facts versus those facts, like you like chocolate and I like butter pecan. They're not, they're not doing intellectual or they're not rational decisions. They're emotional decisions. They didn't like rules. They didn't like being forced or being compelled by their belief to behave in a certain way because they wanted to behave however they wanted to behave. And see, those are not factual things. Those are, those are emotional things. You take this world that we're in 
with all the gender confusion and and marriage versus living together. Well, um, even secular surveys show that if you will <clears throat> will live together before you get married, you just um, increase the chances of, of, of you being divorced. Um, there are certain statistics. There are factual statistics. If you'll get out of high school before you get married, you just increased your chances of not divorcing. If you'll get a college degree in any subject, you just increased your chances of staying married. If you will not have children before you get married, you will increase your chances of staying married. If you will not live together before you're married, you increase all. These are all statistics that are that are indisputable. I mean, this is from USA Today and you know magazines. Just people who do surveys. The fact is, the biblical method, and again, <clears throat> good marriages fail because we're sinners and, and, and we fail in, in our role. But if, if a young person gets their education, gets a job, finds that person that they care for, if they will then marry that person and then have children and then go on to their life, they just raised, uh, increased their chance of a successful marriage by far simply following biblical principles. But Here's somebody who's at work and they've got this, uh, you know, they're out at a bar and they're drinking and they're carrying around together and they like each other and they end up at someone's home and they spend the night together and they do that once a week, once a month, whatever. Pretty soon, hey, why don't we just move in together? They're violating all kinds of biblical principles. The chance of them getting married is slim. The chance of them getting married and being happily married is, is very slim because they got together over a physical and emotional um, impulse rather than getting married with a logical. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have feelings and emotions for the person you want to marry, but it, it's got to fit. There's got to be some logic there. You know, neither one of you have a job and uh, you have no idea where you'd live. Um, that's not the beginning of a, of a great marriage. You probably ought to wait until you have a job and wait to have some a place to live and wait till you have a car or whatever it is you might need. One of our couples many, many years ago back in the early days of our church, the husband was a Vietnam vet and, and she was still in high school when they got married and he was going to Vietnam and and uh, they didn't have a car. They had an apartment and he was 18 or 19 just out of high school and had a job that paid their rent but didn't have enough money for a car and, and she walked to high school and uh, they put their grocery card in their parking spot in their apartments and and uh, they stayed married. They got saved in, in our church. And on the, she was. He was already saved. And um, and he's in heaven today. And she's still faithfully serving God after all these years. But um, but there are there are things we've got to ask ourselves. Someone's asking you a question. Don't just uh, don't act like you're a know-it-all. And one of the sad things in our culture is so many people they hear half of uh, of a situation and they instantly think they know it all. You know, Proverbs says, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it's a folly and shame to him. Um, I was listening to uh, an interview with Charlie Kirk and Jared Krishner. Jared Krishner was talking about how when they got to Washington, they realized it was not as simple as they thought it would be and that there were a lot more difficulties and more opposition and more rules and and he said it was very, very difficult. We didn't know how difficult it was going to be. And um, and so we can real quickly make 
uh, conclusions and act like we know everything. We've got it all figured out when really we don't have all the information. So we've got to be very, very careful. So back to answering people. Um, do you think it's okay for this person to marry that person? Well, first of all, is it any of my business? Is, do I even have a right to have an opinion over in Romans? He says, who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He stands or falls. It's not my job to tell people whether they should marry or whether they should move or whether they should whatever. Um, it, it, we've we've got to we've got to get over this um, this idea that we think we know everything. But on top of that, your intellectual argument might be one hundred percent accurate. But if you're not dealing with a head, but rather you're dealing with a heart, your intellectual argument can only reach that head. And that's why we, one of the reasons we need God. Um, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, Zechariah 4, 6, 4, 6 says. And we need God to help us with our spouse, God to help us with our children. We need God to help us in our relationships. Um, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, um, has a question about the gospel, well, if Jesus is the only way to get saved, and if they say, what about people who've never heard? Well, that's a, a reasonable question. And if someone has that question, I want to give them a reasonable answer. And so I'm going to give them an answer. Well, if they jump from that immediately, well, what about the people of other religions and they've been born and raised in their religion? And I think, all right, that's a reasonable question. I'll answer that. And then as soon as I answer that, they jump over to another question. Yeah, well, what about what about the moon and what about how old the planets are? I think, you know, they don't have, they don't have an intellectual question that they're trying to search and learn about Christianity. They just want to argue. They don't want to come face to face with the reality that Christianity is real and that they will face God one day. And, and that when you, when you see somebody bounce question to question to question, they're not looking for an answer. They're just wanting to make sure they don't get cornered into facing the facts. And uh, uh, you know, opposed to a lot of people's thinking, if you don't want to face the facts, I won't show them to you. There's no value if you don't want to learn. They're not going to. Somebody asked me, uh, "Do you do you know you do a lot of counseling?" He said, "No, I don't do a lot of counseling." Now, premarital counseling, I'll do as much of that as people want because that is proven. If you can get with couples during the months before they're engaged and after their engagement, uh, before the marriage, you can do a lot to to uh, increase the chances their marriage will survive. But but counseling beyond that. Um, I had somebody recently call me with a, a pretty serious issue. They wondered how to deal with it. And um, well, then I found out that they'd already gone to another Christian leader and talked it over. And then I found out they'd gone to a professional paid counselor, Christian counselor, and gone through it. And I thought, what, do you, what am I, just one on the totem pole of, you know, are you, are you looking until you find the answer you like best? I'm guessing all three of us probably had the very same answer. And... Um, I, maybe they just needed to talk about it. And if that's the case, good, let's talk a little bit. But I'm not going to be giving you advice. I'll just listen, be your friend, love you, and uh, share a bottle of water or a soda with you and, and tell you I care and pray for you and let you go on about your business. But if you didn't do what two or three other wise Christian counselors said, I'm not anybody special. Uh, it's not going to matter. Uh, but I can, and, and again, sometimes people just need to talk about their difficulties, and I'm not against that. But again, if someone, this, the, the point of all this is how do you answer people? When someone asks you a question or when someone throws out something, somebody, uh, one of our good faithful men said, um, somebody asked me, what does your church do for the homeless? You know, if you're, you're such a good church, um, 
do you have a soup kitchen? No, we don't. Or do you have a homeless ministry where you go out intentionally to reach the homeless? Well, I, I don't know. You know, do you, you give out, do you have a, a food kitchen where are food lines where people can come get food once a week? Or, you know, we don't have those. Well, you're not much of a church if you don't care about people. Well, the matter of fact is we, we always have food on hand or gift cards to grocery stores on hand. And uh, yes, we do care about. We pick up the homeless on our buses and we bring them to church where they hear about Jesus, the one who will help them not be homeless. Uh, we get them Christian friends so they can get rid of some of their their not so good friends. But you start giving them those answers, they just come up with another thing they don't like. And I think they don't have a problem that they're looking for an intellectual answer. They're just a critic and they don't like religion or they don't like Baptists or they don't like church in general or whatever it might be. So. Uh, when you get talking to somebody, um, um, decide. Now, a, a young Christian, they've been saved just a short time, and they ask you a question about evolution. Th you know, that's perfect because that person, they're probably going to embrace that answer and say, "Oh, that's great! Now I know how to, I know how to deal with that." And and there, they may go question to question, hungering. Well, someone like that, man, I'll sit all day long talking to them because. They are looking for intellectual answers. And so here's a person who's a young Christian, and out of their faith in their own heart, they put their faith in Christ, trusted him as Savior. Great, now they're saved. Now they come with intellectual questions. And so we open the Bible up and give them an intellectual answer. They come with an intellectual question about science. Okay, let's find some scientific facts. And we're answering an intellectual question with an intellectual answer. And they come along and know how about marriage. One of the men I led to Christ many, many years ago, I'm guessing 40 years ago, um, 35 years, over 35 years ago. And um, he had been pretty rough and um, had a lot of issues. He had, he had some baggage. But um, he asked me, he said, now that I'm saved, I just want, you know, I've been married and divorced. He said, can I still marry? Can I get remarried? And um, that was a, a tender question from his heart, but he really wanted an intellectual answer. He wanted to know, what does the Bible say? And I was able to explain to him what the scriptures said. And um, he ended up in the few years following um, meeting a, a, a young lady and they got married and, and uh, they've, had a, they've served God side by side for decades. And uh, so, so you don't want to get where you don't answer questions, but, but you need to think, am I answering a heart question or am I answering a head question? And if I know it's just somebody with this emotional issue, um, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid answering the questions at all. I may say, no, I'm not sure I could give you a satisfactory answer for that. I think you're going to need to search that thing out yourself, but uh, anything else I can do for you, let me know. I'd rather stay their friend. And uh, maybe down the road, they'll warm up a little bit and they'll have some real questions. Um, I'll give you one example in closing. My brother, um, he, he got saved about 30 years after I did. I was saved, I was 18. He's three years older than me, so he was 21. And um, he, uh, at this time, he was living in Arizona, working at a, an exceptional job. And, and I was um, in Bible college and then I was pastoring. And uh, over the years, he would call up, um, just a few times he called. One, one day he called and he said, hey, Bruce, tell me about evolution. And I thought, wow, I mean, I could give you the three-minute answer or I could give you the three-hour answer. And I'm trying to think, what is he looking for here? And um, 
And so I chatted a little, looked for a response, chatted a little, gave him, gave him the most basic things I could think of in the briefest manner, and then waited for his response because I had to figure out, what, what, is this a, a big head issue or is this a heart issue? Is, is evolution his excuse to not like Christianity? Well, if that's the case, then fine. Uh, stick with it. Cling to your monkey ancestor or whatever. You know, I'm not going to argue with you because you can't argue with a heart. You can't argue with disbelief. You can't argue with feelings. And um, and so he said, all right, thanks. And then it was done. I mean, it, that, that was it. No, it was, wasn't any warm and fuzzy chit-chatty or whatever. And then, um, and then sometime later, maybe it might have been a couple of years later, he asked me, uh, he called me up and said, hey, what, what does the Bible say about guns? Because we've grown up in a family shooting and hunting and fishing and and uh, he and I both uh, enjoy firearms. And, and um, I said, well, Jesus said that um, if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and get one. I said, they didn't have 38s or 7-millimeter rifles, so but I'm guessing that's pretty close to saying you need to be armed. You're going out into a difficult world and be prepared to take care of yourself. <clears throat> and he said, all right, that's good. <clears throat> that was it. I, I got the answer right. Uh, it was an intellectual question, and I gave him an intellectual answer. Um, another time, he called and asked about the death penalty, and he said, "What? What is? What about the death penalty? And and um, what is the Bible? How does a Christian look at it?" And I told him about Genesis, where it basically op- approves, uh, "He that sheds blood by man's hands will his blood be shed." And and um, and he said, "Okay." And and uh, but see, he was definitely over the course of years, looking for some answers in his head. And then uh, the day came when he trusted Christ. Um, so when you, when you go to answer somebody, you want to be very careful to think through, am I answering their heart? Maybe somebody's just hurt. They're not looking. They, all they know how to do is communicate with words and, and perhaps some information. But really, it's rooted in hurt feelings. It might be their parents. It might have been their former church. It might have been the school they attended or a coach they had, or they've been through a divorce or who knows what. And in those circumstances, you're going to want to answer the heart, not the head. And you're not going to want to try and force people into accepting your intellectual argument, because even though it sounds like an intellectual question, it's really not. It's a heart question based on feelings and so we're going to answer people. We better listen to them. Don't answer a question before you hear it and and pay attention to people and listen and look at them and think about them. And perhaps God would give you wisdom to be helped to some people. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for taking a few minutes together today. 